But I'm sure that Caleb and Emily know that that's what's happening when they structured things in this way. I also had chocolate chip pancakes and a lot of coffee for breakfast this morning, so I feel like my head is a little uh, spinning. So thank you for the opportunity to be with you this morning. Some of you um, have shared a lot of life with and known for many years, and some of you are brand new faces. So it is so good to be here at Kaleo. For those of you who I don't know or haven't talked to for a long time, my name is Heather Doherty, and I currently serve as the university minister. They don't have a chaplain. I don't know why they don't call it that. But at Belmont, where I've been for seven years, and previous to that, served as 10 years in chaplaincy at Trevecca. Uh, so very familiar kind of with this community. And many of you were students when I was at Trevecca at one place or another. Some of us served together in faculty roles. And so, so good to be here today. Well, anyone who has spent much time around children knows that they have wild and crazy things to say about, well, everything. I have found that this is especially true when it comes to issues of faith. One of my undergraduate minors was in religion. I have a Master of Divinity degree. I've been in college chaplaincy for 17 years. But I think that the hardest questions that I've ever had to answer about Jesus come from my children. When my daughter Ella, who by the way is now 17 and applying to college, if that makes anyone feel old in the room, uh, when she turned three, it was almost as if a switch flipped. And suddenly, she was interested in talking about Jesus. So her birthday is in November, so as we moved into December that year in the season of Advent, we decided that we would start talking to her about the church year with the season of Advent. And we told her what Advent was about, that it was the time when the church remembers that we're waiting for Jesus to return. And it took her a little while to digest this. And for several nights in a row after we talked about it, she would say, is Jesus coming to our house tonight? And we're like, well, we don't know, maybe, but probably not. Um, And For about a week, she was adamant that she had decided that she didn't want Jesus to come back because she thought that it would be a little scary for him to just show up at our house. And we were a little bit taken aback as it's not really the goal of Christian parenting to make your children afraid of Jesus, but there we were. But this, it was not the only time that she's been curious and even confused about Jesus's role in her life. She had a difficult time trying to figure out how Jesus gets into your heart and whether or not he has to stay there. And how do you talk to him if he's inside of you? Do you just like look down your shirt and start a conversation? Hey, Jesus, are you down there? I remember conversations with both of our kids when they wanted to know how big Jesus was. And so we're like, well, when Jesus was on the earth, he was probably about as big as daddy. Um, They would not believe us. They said that Jesus had to be big, 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 big. And we're like, why? They're like, because he has to care for all of us. You have to be big enough to do that. But I don't think that I would be far off if I made the assumption that no matter how old we are, no matter how long we have been Christians, no matter what your major was in college or where you find yourself in your job, that we all are a little bit like Jesus, or a little bit like Ella every once in a while. We realize, perhaps sheepishly, that there are things about Jesus that we just don't know. We still have questions about who Jesus is, uh, questions about how he can truly relate to us and our lives, and questions about if we really even need Jesus. 
And many of our questions are ones that are hard for us to find answers to, no matter where we look or who we ask. But the good news for us is that we are not alone in struggling to understand who Jesus is. Because for the past 2,000 years, the church has been trying to answer questions about Jesus. Sometimes it's done a pretty good job. Other times it really hasn't. And so we stand today left to answer questions. Some of them will remain unanswered for a long time. But I think that a good place to start for those of us who find ourselves with questions about Jesus is, about, is in the Gospel of John, where we find one of, if not the most developed Christological statements in all of the New Testament. We read that this morning already together. Jesus Christ and who he is is central to John's Gospel and theology. And so John dedicates the whole first chapter of his book, laying out for his readers exactly what we're dealing with when we're dealing with Jesus. And John wants us to know from the very beginning, and so spend some time telling us, that we aren't just dealing with an ordinary man who was born to a man and a woman in a manger and does some great things for people who need him. Uh, I don't have to tell you that there's no manger scene in John's gospel. We don't start with the baby Jesus. But what we read this morning reminds us that Jesus was the word, was around before time even began. From the inception of the universe, the word was with God, and perhaps most importantly, the word is God. And through this God who came into the world and took on human flesh, the whole world, a world that may not ever understand him, is given the opportunity to be children of God. And it is only through this man, this Jesus, that all of humanity is able to know the God who has created us and given us life. Now, I think I might have read the lectionary passages wrong this morning because I'm not actually preaching from what we read. I'm going to preach from what comes just after it, but that's okay. Um, It comes from the first chapter of John. And up to this point, the readers of his gospel have gotten John's initial understanding of who Jesus is. We read that this morning. And then get the opportunity to see as Jesus comes into contact with people throughout Israel. And in our passage, I'm going to read in just a moment, uh, Jesus, we get to see his last interactions with those who will become a part of his closest circle of disciples. So in here, um, from John chapter 1, I'm going to read for us. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. This is the word of the Lord. 
Well, what I find really interesting about this text is that Philip and Nathanael did not go looking for Jesus. But the text tells us that Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And while he was there, he finds Philip. And immediately, Philip answers the call to follow Jesus. Nathanael, however, is not so quick to follow. Perhaps it is because he first hears of Jesus from Philip and doesn't have that same kind of personal encounter with Jesus. But when told by Philip about the one who has come to fulfill the words of the prophet, he asks the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? And I'm not sure what that means exactly as a Nazarene. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be saying something bad about us, but you know, whatever. Um, My guess is that it was nothing good about who Jesus was and where he came from. And it is not until he has his own encounter with Jesus that Jesus is able to give him a reason to believe that Nathaniel is finally able to make the same declarations that Philip might have made. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus promises these two men and us as readers of this gospel that we will see greater things than these. Now, as we look at this first chapter of the book of John, we find that Jesus is introduced to many people. John the Baptist and his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. And as we read these encounters, each of them is a little bit different. For Philip, all Jesus needed to do was to find him and say, follow me, and he followed. For Nathaniel, he had to hear that Jesus had seen him under the fig tree long before Philip had ever shared the good news, and then he was ready to follow. John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus, and then he knew that this was the one for whom he had prepared the way. John's disciples go to where it is that Jesus is staying, and they spend the day with him. We have no idea what happened during that day, but we know that at the end of that day, that Andrew's response was to tell his brother, we have found the Messiah. Simon, son of John, comes to Jesus to find out who he is, and he gets a name change from Simon to Peter. It's interesting to me, and I'm going to decide, significant, that each of these men encountered Jesus in a different way, that each of them decided to follow Jesus in a different way, that each of them came to believe in a different way. Each disciple comes with different questions, different expectations, different needs from Jesus. One needed a teacher, another the Messiah, another needed to see scripture fulfilled. And Jesus meets each of them where they are. And I think that this is the good news of the opening chapter of John's gospel, that God has come to earth and that God comes for each and every one of us. There's a book that I've used when I teach, I don't know what it's called, class, REL 4000, whatever you take as a senior general education at Trevecca. Anyway, it's called The Holy Longing by a person named Richard Rollheiser. And in a chapter on the incarnation, the author tells this story. A four-year-old child awoke one night frightened, convinced that in the darkness around her, There were all kinds of spooks and monsters. Alone, she ran to her parents' bedroom. Her mother calmed her down and taking her by the hand, led her back to her own room 
where she put on a light and assured the child with these words, you needn't be afraid. You are not alone here. God is in the room with you. The child replied, I know that God's here, but I need someone in this room who has some skin. We all come to faith. We all come to the church wanting that same thing, I think. A God who has skin. A God who understands. A God who meets us where we are. But if we look around the room, one of the first things that we can easily understand is that we're all in different places. And that's why this first chapter of John is so significant for us. Because just as each disciple's needs and expectations were met when he encountered Jesus, we can be assured that our needs and expectations for faith in Jesus can be met as well. There may be some of us here this morning who need to meet Jesus maybe for the first time, but probably more likely maybe also because we thought we knew who God was, but we aren't really sure about what that looks like anymore. In Jesus, we meet the God who created us, the God who loves us. Many of us are here this morning who come wanting, perhaps needing a deeper understanding of who God is. We're committed Christians. It's not a question of whether or not we're gonna go to church or believe in Jesus. But more than anything else, we have the desire to know what it looks like for us to follow with all that we are right now in this moment. We can look at the life of Jesus and through his example and guidance, we begin to see what it looks like to follow after God in that same way. Because it's when we get to know who Jesus is that we know who we are called to be and how we are called to be in the world. Some of us come with very basic things this morning. We shared um, requests, things that are going on. I'm gonna guess there are all kinds of things that we didn't share with this whole room of folks this morning that we carry around. We're worried about the challenges that we face as we head into the other 350 days. I just made that up, but it might be right. Um, 350 days of 2023. We're worried about problems that are happening at our, how, at our home or at our jobs. We're worried about the state of the country, the economy, the incredible violence and tumult we see happening all over the world. We're worried as we see the effects of a rapidly changing climate. And we cry out to God to help us make sense of things, to know what's important, to make a way for us in situations that seem completely impossible. And the good news for us today is that Jesus can and will be at work in our lives. There's an old hymn, I think it's a hymn, but um, that proclaims Jesus knows all about our troubles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Anyone tempted to break out into song with me in that song? I think I can see like 
um, PR teams, like singing. Anyway, that's uh, the picture that I have in my head. And this passage is a good one for us this morning. At the start of a new year. Because it reminds us of something that is so easy to forget. That God in Jesus is able to meet us exactly where we are. We can find ourselves in the story as the one who immediately follows or as the one who finds themselves with some questions to be answered. And no matter which one of us we are or if we're somewhere in between, we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus is with us, no matter the what or the where. I think this passage is also a good one for us as we gather together as the church on a Sunday morning, as those who call ourselves Christians, to be reminded that we have not cornered the market on Jesus, that we do not know everything there is to know about the way that Jesus is at work in our world that we are not able to limit God's work to our own preconceived notions and categories, expectations, and experiences. I shared at my table this morning that I feel like the longer I am a person of faith, the more I learn, the more I read, the more I realize how much more I have to know about God and how much I know how much I need to walk in the world with open hands that allow God to continue to shape and form me. Instead, we must be a people who are constantly on the lookout for God's movement among us, for God's revelation to us. And we must be ready and waiting for a God who surprises us. I don't know where you are this morning, but I want to offer you an invitation. And the invitation is one that's found in the passage that we read together this morning. It's in the song that Hannah led us in this morning. An invitation to come and see. I think that there are those of us who continue to wrestle with the question of who Jesus is and whether or not this Christianity thing is going to work out for us. Come and see. Many of us are Christians, but aren't sure what that means for our life right now. How do I live that out in my everyday life? And we are given the invitation, come and see. Many of us are deeply committed to our faith, but we still want more. We want God to continue to shape and transform us so that we might look more like Jesus. Come and see. Some of you are being challenged in this time to commit to new ways with your time, with your money, with your presence, and you're hesitant to commit because it would mean saying no to some personal freedoms. The invitation is for you as well. Come and see. Some of you have been learning more about spiritual disciplines and creating a rule of life. And you might be waiting to take that next step, wondering if Jesus is really worth all the hype that you've been hearing about him.
come and see. Some of you have been around Kaleo for a long time. You've soaked it all in, and now you wonder if it's time to lead, to speak up and out, to make Kaleo your home church, and not just for yourself, but inviting your friends and neighbors as well. Come and see. Here's what I know as we gather together in worship today, that we serve a God, that we worship a God, who meets us where we are, no matter where that may be. Come and see.